Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Sparking Wholeness. I am super excited. I wasn't going to say the word excited because I say it all the time, but I really am excited about this guest today. <laughs> and today's guest is Heather Creekmore. She is a friend of mine. She is an author, writer. She's amazing. Through her blog and podcast, which is where I first was introduced to her, Heather Creekmore writes and speaks hope to thousands of women each week, inspiring them to stop comparing and find their true purpose in Christ. Her first book, Compared to Who? A Proven Path to Improve Your Body Image, encourages women to uncover the spiritual root of body image issues and find freedom. Her second book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest, releases in 2020. Heather and her fighter pilot turned pastor husband, Eric, live in Texas with their four children. In her free time, Heather homeschools, shops clearance racks, and competes on Netflix baking shows, which is a fact. She was on Nailed It on Netflix, if you have seen that. Um, so she's pretty much a celebrity. Um, so thank you, Celebrity Heather, for being on today. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad to be here, Erin. I think celebrity is a little generous, but uh, yeah. Well, no, <laughs> but I, I, have fun. I, I love it. You, Yeah, no, I think that's awesome that you're on that. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just so excited to have you on. I've, like I said, I, you know, I've been following the blog, reading the blog. I even got to contribute to the blog for a time um, compared to who. And I would love to know about this whole compared to who movement, how you started, what the title's even about um, and how it became what it is now. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Well, it's so funny, Erin, because body image is the one thing I never expected to be talking to people about, speaking about, writing about. I mean, body image, that stuff, that's like crazy in your head that you don't talk to anyone about, right? right? Like you keep mm -hmm. that stuff quiet. And I decided I was going to write a book about five years ago. And I wanted to write it on marriage because I thought that would be fun and safe. <laughs> and instead, I just felt like God was telling me and my husband was telling me that I should write about my body and struggles. Mm -hmm. And I did it. And it was hard to reveal some of those secret thoughts that I had carried around with me and not shared with anyone really before I shared them in my book. Um, but what I found since then is that there is freedom in sharing the truth and sharing your story. Yes, and there so is. as I've shared my story more and as I've had more people, you know, read what I've written on compared to the blog or read my book or people I've interacted with at speaking engagements, as I've had more people come up to me and say, oh my word, I thought I was the only person who thought that. I thought I was the only person who felt that. Like as I've gotten more of that response, I think it's maybe emboldened me to share more and more and more. And it's been really fun to just create a place where women can feel safe with all of those random <laughs> thoughts in their head, but then also have a place to kind of process what's the truth and what lies are keeping us held back? What lies are keeping us trapped in body image misery? So that's what Compared yeah. to is all about. And I have a lot of fun just communicating with women on this issue. Yeah. And you know, and what I like about your approach, I'll say, um, that's probably what speaks to women. Cause I know it speaks to me is, you know, reading a book about comparison, it's real easy to be like, well, girls, you're fearfully and wonderfully made and mm -hmm. that's about it. So just rejoice in the fact that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, that doesn't solve the issue. I'm still going to deal with those thoughts. I'm still going to, you know, and, and I've, I've written about this myself on, on your blog, on my blog, like how no matter what size I am, I'm not happy with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to compare myself to my former self or to the self that I want to be. And it's not even necessarily like, you know, the whole compared to who thing is so funny because it's not necessarily compared to other people compared to celebrities. I know that they're paid to get to looking how they look, you know, mm -hmm. it's compared to myself and compared to what I think that I'm supposed to look like. So I, I think your approach is different in that way. Um, and that you don't just 
yep, well, Jesus loves you. You're made perfectly. Like, I mean, to, can you tell a little bit more about, sure. yeah, about that? Yeah, I'd love to because I was so frustrated for so long because my story is I started believing and thinking and I don't know, probably trying to verify the truth that I felt my like my legs were fat starting in yeah. third grade. So yeah. I'm an elementary school girl mm-hmm. going to school, looking around and sizing up the other girl's yep. legs to see if mine were bigger or smaller. Mm-hmm. And what I found was, and you know, it's funny, you, you look back and you don't really remember too much. I mean, I'm in my forties now, so that was a long time ago, <laughs> but, but I look, as I remember it, you know, you remember only the bad, right? You remember yep. looking around and thinking everyone's legs are bigger than mine. That probably mm-hmm. wasn't the truth, but it felt like the truth. And so what that did to me, Aaron, um, is I started dieting in mm-hmm. probably by fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I was using Slim Fast. Yeah. And, you know, whatever diet my mom was on was the diet I was on. Mm-hmm. By high school, I was trying a diet that I will call, and I'm sure some of your listeners have experienced it, see how long you can go without eating. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> and then, you know, I would get home from school, from after school activities, and just be ravenously hungry mm-hmm. and eat everything I could get my hands on and go to bed feeling like I had failed. Like I had done something wrong because I ate and that continued for me in college. I lost my period, my sophomore year of college, Mm. because I had put my body through so much, really just fasting and feasting and just Mm -hmm. really whacked out, um, eating habits. And, but back then, so, you know, like I said, I'm in my forties, we didn't have a category for people like me. I wasn't anorexic. I wasn't bulimic. And so there was no Ednos category. There was no eating disorder, Mm -hmm. not otherwise specified. It was just like, well, I'm not anorexic because I need to lose a few pounds Mm -hmm. and I couldn't make myself throw up, although I tried. So I really just thought I was normal. Mm -hmm. I thought every other person I knew, every other woman that I knew I should specify, I thought everyone had the same struggle. And so growing up in the church, like you did, I thought, well, you know, church has answers for everything, right? But the answers that I found in the church over and again were just so shallow. They just missed the heart and the depth of my struggle. They almost wrote my struggle off as something I shouldn't struggle with Mm. because I was a Christian. Like I should just know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that shouldn't be an issue anymore. And I I just got frustrated over and again. And, or I would hear a pep talk. I like the Christian pep rally is what I like to (laughs) classify as some women's like women's events, women's retreats. They can turn into this like Christian pep rally. But what would happen is so many times I feel like when the message got confused at those pep rallies where it'd be like, you're so awesome. And so I leave the pep rally thinking, okay, I'm awesome. Mm -hmm. I am like daughter of the King. I'm amazing. I'm awesome. And even those messages would fall flat for me after a couple of days because I'd be right. like, okay, I'm awesome. And then I go home and, you know, you get on the scale or you look in the mirror or you look around. Yeah. You're like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not that awesome. Mm-hmm. And so it was just this difficult, you know, really decades long struggle for me of going back and forth between, okay, I know what God says about me. I know how I feel about myself. I know that this is a struggle for me, but. I, I just don't know what to do about it. And so I was, yeah. I was really kind of lost for, for a long time, just without the answers that I really craved. Yeah. So what, what was your turnaround? What was your turning point where you were like, enough is enough. I can't live like this anymore because I think we all do reach that point. This whole diet culture thing. I am so anti diet right now. I am pro health all the way, (laughs) Um, but I'm anti diet. There are ways to pursue healthy behaviors without turning it into a crash diet, without turning into an obsession, you know, um, that's for a different episode. But, um, I, I just, I, I got to that point where I was done. I knew, no diet ever solved my body image, right? Mm-hmm. No diet ever, no amount of weight ever really made me feel comfortable in my own skin. So what was your turning point and where you just was like, okay, I can't, I can't live like this anymore. Yeah. So right before I got married, I was the smallest I had been probably since middle school. Um, you know, wearing a super small size as, you know, and as most women do before their wedding, right? Uh-huh. do all the crazy, right? Uh-huh. But I remember being on my honeymoon and thinking like, I am the smallest I have ever been as an adult. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like my husband must think I'm fat. 
I still don't feel like I can enjoy Mm -hmm. my body with my new husband Mm -hmm. because I am am fat. And I look at those pictures, Erin, of me on my honeymoon and I'm like, who is that super skinny woman who thought she was fat? And Uh so, so a few years after our wedding, I was introduced to a teaching by a Christian pastor in New York city named Dr. Tim Keller. And Mm. he talked about a concept called idolatry. Mm. And it's a concept that growing up in Christian circles, I really hadn't heard a whole lot about. I mean, I knew it was part of the 10 commandments, but I thought idolatry, like we don't have any statues. Like my mom wouldn't let us look at the Buddha when we went into Chinese restaurants. (laughs) Idolatry (laughs) was not an issue for me, Mm -hmm. but talked about it in a way that was different than anything I'd ever heard. And as he talked about it, I started to kind of think about the things that I struggled with. And I started to see how body image had become an idol for me. And for those of your listeners who aren't familiar with, you know, Christian concepts, I think, I think it's so easy to understand because really all an idol is, is it's something we look to that we think will make us happy, right? It's something that we do that what we think will save us. And for me, I thought if I could just get that perfect body, if I could just wear that size, get that look, you know, and, and it never would all come together. Right. But, but, you know, you try to get your hair perfect, mm-hmm. you know, and your clothes perfect and you get the weight right and the tone right or whatever. Um, but it's like, if I could just get it all to come together, like, you know, like the after on an extreme makeover show, yeah. right? You <laughs> right. Know, like then, then I would, feel happiness and feel joy and feel peace and feel all these things on the inside. And then the outside, I also believed, and it's so silly if you say it out loud, but I also believed like my whole life would come together then, right? Like everyone would love me because I would look so wonderful. And my husband, like we wouldn't have any marriage problems, right? He'd never (laughs) need to look at another woman because he'd have the perfect me beside him. Uh And, and like all this, I mean, it's all kind of silly to say out loud, like I said, but, but it's all true. Like I believed that having that right look or that perfect look would be a savior to me. And in, in Christian terms, it's an idol because we believe that like Jesus saves us, right? Like <laughs> Jesus is the mm-hmm. only one who can offer that peace, that joy, that happiness, that freedom. But even outside of faith, like I think anyone can relate to the concept that that's something that promises something it can't deliver. It's a yeah. silly thing to chase after, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, and it's like, so, so I love to use this example, but how many times have you been checking out of Target? You look at those magazines and what do you do when you look at those magazine covers? Well, you look at the picture, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at the woman in the bikini and you think like, oh man, like if I could just look like her, then I'd be happy mm-hmm. or, you know, oh, why can't I have her legs? Okay. Legs are a thing for me. So I've already disclosed that. <laughs> that's that's, that's my issue. Right. But, um, but it's like, oh, if I could just, you know, maybe, I, and then, then the, the spiraling of thoughts happens, right? Then it's like, well, okay, I'm not going to buy these M&Ms that I have on the checkout, you know, and then, okay, well, maybe I should just go to the gym straight from here and I'm going to have to start going to the gym three. And you start all this planning and plotting yep. because you need to get her look, right? But then what I think we miss, Erin, is all of those headlines around her picture, Right? Like how many times do the headlines around the picture of that celebrity say, you know, why he cheated on her yeah. or, or her battle with depression or how she almost ended it all mm-hmm. or, you know, what happened when she got fired or why she didn't get that role and how she's okay with it. It's like, if you really study the lives of celebrities, mm-hmm. like you see the truth that their lives are not yeah perfect. Right. But, but we kind of ignore that, I think. And we get lost in what I like to call idolatry and we think, okay, but no, if I got that look, I know it would be different for me. Yeah. It's so hard to believe that, you know, like it's, we still, there's some block in our brains because I've done it too. It's like, nope, nope, really. I do need to be this size, whatever that magical size is. Um, and it's so, and there's a decade of numbers I always want to be on the scale that I'm never going to be. Mm-hmm. That's really not probably realistic or even probably healthy for me. But it's like I have it in my head because a doctor's office says mm-hmm. that maybe for my height, this is where I need to be. And all these other things, mm-hmm. not, you know, counting out the fact that I've had three kids and genetically, just even my genetic composition, I did, you know, the whole 23 and me. They told mm-hmm. me what my weight was supposed to be. I'm like, oh, 
okay. It's not what the doctor's office said. Like it, it said that I'm genetically supposed to weigh a little bit more. You know what I mean? But I don't uh-huh. care about all that. I don't care. I have a block up there that I have to do these things. And, you know, I think for me, I finally came to the place that, um, and this is kind of sad, no matter what I did, I realized I wasn't getting to that size that I wanted mm-hmm. to be. And like mm-hmm. you said, even when I was at my smallest of smallest, it was, I, there's always a smaller size, you know, mm-hmm. there's always one size lower and like, it's, it just becomes ridiculous. But I, but I think, yeah, it goes back into, that's not what's going to make me ultimately happy, which, you know, this whole pursuit of happiness thing is a topic that I've been thinking about lately anyway. Like, is our ultimate goal really just to be happy, just to be comfortable? Mm-hmm. Because if it is, I mean, that that's such a relative term, right? Like I... Sure killing people could make me happy. I mean, that's really extreme, but like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like if, if, if it's all about me being happy, then anything goes. And so it's like, there has to be some other ultimate there and just some kind of a, you know, faith talk aside, but that is very important to me as well. Like there, there's something about being content in the present in the mm-hmm. here and now that I'm learning to live with. And that, you know, I don't have to just strive for the, like you said, the, um, if I weigh this, I'll be this. If I, if my legs look this way, I'll be, you know, cause I've the leg thing. I've thought that my, my thing has always been my stomach. Mm. When I was little, I looked in the mirror and I saw like this little pooch, which is like my natural shape, but like it really bothered me. And it's like been my life goal to end the pooch, you know? Mm. And at least now I can say, oh, it's because I've had babies. No, it's really, it was just my natural pooch to begin with. <laughs> but um, it was always like, if I could just get rid of that pooch, you know, like we mm-hmm. always have that if then mentality mm-hmm. and why to be happy to be, because again, there's always something else. I don't know. I just, it's, it's, it's just something that I'm constantly thinking about and checking my own heart on. Um, and it goes into a lot of things. It goes into, you know, social media, Instagram followers and podcasts, right. And like everything. So, um, yeah. So comparison, do you think that we're more prone to, um, compare ourselves to other people or compare ourselves to what we think we ought to be? What are your thoughts on that? So, you know, what's funny, Erin, I think that those are almost the same thing. Because I, I believe that when we compare ourselves to ourselves, that's a, that's a mouthful, but when it's really just these, like the ideal self that we have in our brain that, you know, is really bothering us. And we like, I mean, I have people all the time. They're like, I don't compare myself with other people. I just know how I want to be, how I should be. Mm-hmm. And I always stop and I ask them like, okay, well, how do you know that? Like mm-hmm. who's telling you what you should be or how you should be. And it's like, oh, it just comes from me. And I'm like, really? Does it? You know, because I had a counselor and he was a tremendous counselor. And when he asked me to do this, I thought he was crazy. But um, I had a counselor once and he asked me to find a picture of my ideal self. And I, I was like, I don't even know where to start with that. But it was a really important exercise. And I, you know, I didn't want to spend a lot of time looking through magazines and really honestly didn't even feel like I could find that person in a magazine because I knew none of those people in magazines look like me, right? Like I could tell you all the ways they didn't look like me. And so what I did was I went on Google and this can kind of be a dangerous exercise unless say search is on, but I just put in like features, you know, like brown hair, brown eyes, (laughs) and it kind of started to, you know, get some different women that came up. And then I started to realize that I really didn't compare myself or wasn't even tempted to compare myself with women who were 20 years younger than me. So someone like a Taylor Swift, eh, you know, I, I know, right. <laughs> I know we're not the same. So it wasn't yeah. a temptation. <laughs> so then I started kind of weeding through a little bit more and going back to the women who were celebrities when I was in elementary school when I was in my teenage years even. And I started to like find pictures of those women. And what I found was I think my ideal image came from a Miss America, uh, excuse me, a Miss America pageant contestant in the 1980s. Okay. Now, how we watch the Miss America pageant every single year. Okay. My, my parents wanted to watch it. I do not think this was healthy for me in (laughs) retrospect, (laughs) but, but they wanted to watch it every year. And so we watched that pageant every year. And, and I think that somewhere subconsciously, 
the images of a woman with, you know, that build, a pageant contestant build and long hair, because I've never cut my hair. I needed long hair. <laughs> um, that got in there. And that was what was actually driving that ideal self, that the me, I need to be the better me. Mm -hmm. That was kind of driving that because I really don't think there's any way for us to say honestly that we're unaffected by what we see around us. Right. I just don't think that's being honest. Yeah. I mean, now I do think that there's a way out of comparison and that's what my next book is about, but I don't think it's about really lying to yourself. I don't think that's helpful. Mm. I think it's about recognizing that, yeah, we see a lot around us, but if we classify it as better, right? If, if we feel this and, and I'll just tell everyone, Aaron came up with the title for my next book. Yeah. I mean, so Aaron named it. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you should be the step or what would be the God, not the stepmother other of my next book because you <laughs> gave like it, it its name. Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's going to be called the burden of better because I do think we all feel this, like being good just isn't enough mm -hmm. being average. Like you and I've talked about before, like being mm -hmm. average, like that's not enough. Like, why would you just be good when you can yeah. be better or when you could be best? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what we think will get us out of comparison. I mean, I think we lie to ourselves and we believe if I could just be the best then I wouldn't compare myself to anyone else, right? right. <laughs> no one would be able to compare to me. But the truth is, even if you could be the best, like, I still don't think you'd be happy because people yeah. wouldn't want to be around you, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. like, like, it's just, that person's not fun to hang out with, right? Um, and even if they're not narcissistic, it's, it's still intimidating, right? Yeah. So, so it's, it's just, it's this drive that we think there's always the next thing, that the next thing's going to make us happy. There's always something better. And it's a never-ending cycle. We're never mm. satisfied. Yeah. Well, and that comes, you know, to mind, we're coming up on January um, and everybody's about to start setting their, if they haven't already, um, their New Year's resolutions. And, and, you know, I remember, gosh, when I was little, I say little, like middle school age, I had, you know, I would set my resolutions. And I will say, to be fair, I think my first resolution I made when I was in seventh grade was to write a book. Um, still have not done that other than the historical romance I wrote when I was in high school, but that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> uh, nobody There's wants time. to publish those. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I, but it, as I got older, it turned into, I'm going to lose this amount of weight. And when I was, this was January of 99. Um, I started, this was my first diet. This was kind of the thing that I, it really changed. I think it even kind of triggered some mental illness in me. Mm -hmm. um, I've written about this before, but I went on the, this really, I'd done, like you said, the slim fast stuff. I'd done like mm -hmm. South beach diet for a week. I did no sugar for a little while. You know, I did like some things here and there, but this one, my mom took me to the center and we paid and I had gained like about 30 pounds in one year because of Zoloft. It, it happens. Mm -hmm. It's a side effect. Um, and I was really feeling insecure and I knew that if I could lose my weight, if I could, let's see, I, I know even like my waist, I wanted my waist to be a certain measurement. If I could have all of these specifications in play in my life, I would get boys to like me. Mm -hmm. My friends would like me more. People would want to be around me more. They wouldn't be grossed out by me. Like I had in my head that because of this size that I was, people didn't want to be around me. Like what? Mm -hmm. And I, I really didn't, you know, like I think about, about like what my counselor will tell me now when I have these weird perceptions of life in my head, she's like, now what data do you have to back that up? I had no data to back that up. I had, mm -hmm. I had lots of friends. I, um, actually did have, you know, love interests or whatever you want to call it at that time. Mm -hmm. Like I flirted, like it was not, there was nothing backing up this need except something I believed about myself based on maybe culture, maybe, um, you know, who knows, maybe some part of my upbringing. I don't know, but I went on this diet. So long story short, and it was one of those, it's kind of like Atkins, but they called it something else. It was through the special center and you had to limit, go way extreme, cut all carbs in the beginning. Um, 
it was also a lot of calorie restriction and I was on swim team at the time. And I even wrote as I was writing in my journal, talking about my resolutions and what I was going to do, I would update. And I wrote at one point, I almost passed out at swim team practice because I couldn't swim because I was starving. You know, my body was in starvation mode. Um, I would have dreams of food, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. which happens when you go on extreme things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, and I, it's funny, I became, I became even more like just obsessed with it. And I talked about food and I talked about what I was going to eat when I finally would be able to eat like all this stuff. And eventually I do think, you know, knowing what I know now about fight or flight, um, I, I never got so extreme where I, I missed a period, but I do think my mental health was already in a, at a shaky place. Mm -hmm. And I think that this might've triggered a little mm -hmm. bit of what was going to become mania in my life. Now, again, I don't have like, haven't spoken to a doctor about this to really like go through the research of why this is true. But I know for me, it, it took me to kind of a dangerous place in my brain because by, by the time I did lose that, and I didn't lose all the way because again, my body has this point where it's like not, not lose, not going there, even though that's where I think I want to be. I didn't, I never even got to the goal weight, but I got low enough to where I was feeling real high on life. And I started engaging in some risky behaviors. And so anyway, so all that to say, I think that my mental health story and my body image story are so sneakily intertwined mm -hmm. because then I started gaining the weight back. So then the next year, what was my new year's resolution? Well, I got to lose weight. So I went on another diet. And so I just kept going back and forth on that roller coaster. So all to say, I think new year's resolutions, it's important to talk about that. And maybe what are some realistic things we can say on January 1st, instead of setting up expectations that are based on some need that can never be met by a diet, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, what do you, what would you say? What do you say to new year's resolutions? What do you say when people are struggling and walking through that? Yeah. So, you know, I'm like you, I mean, I probably spent 25 years of the first resolution was always lose, you know, whatever number, yeah. the number of mm -hmm. the year, <laughs> you lose that yeah. number of pounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the next year it was always the same because I hadn't lost it the year before, or maybe I dropped a couple pounds in January and then by February, you know, ate the Valentine's candy and, yeah. you know, came exactly. back. Right. Uh -huh. Um, but you know, it's funny. I just did a podcast on this not too long ago and I think the truth might be an Aesop's fable, the tortoise and the hare. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're familiar with the story, right? Yep. You know, mm -hmm. the tortoise is slow. The hare is super fast. The hare kind of mocks the tortoise, takes a nap and the tortoise wins the race. Right. But I think what happens is we get in such a hurry to meet our health goals. And I'm going to, I'm going to, kind of be generous with that, right? Because some of our weight loss goals are vanity, but some yeah. of our weight loss goals might be health, right? right? Like right. I don't mm -hmm. think it's wrong to want to lose totally. weight. Totally. Yeah. So, so, but, but there's, there is probably a line there. There's a distinction like, you know, like you, I have my vanity weight, like the weight mm -hmm. I think I should be, but then there's a weight where it's like, okay, now, you know what? I'm yeah. healthy. As long as I'm close yeah. to that, I'm healthy. Yeah. Um, but what we do is we get in such a hurry. And I think it's because we believe that getting to that weight will make our lives so much better that we have to right. be in a hurry to do it, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, it has to happen. This is the year. This mm -hmm. is going to be my year. And it will only be my year if I can lose that weight, right? And it was always the right. first resolution for me because I felt like all the other things I wanted to accomplish in my life probably couldn't happen unless yeah. I lost <laughs> 20 pounds or whatever That's it was, so right? true, yeah, yeah. But, but I think if we could remember the tortoise and the hare and kind of take the pressure off right? Because there's really no pressure. If you need to lose 20 pounds and that's a really arbitrary number, it could be 200 pounds. It could be, mm -hmm. you know, 10, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. if you need to lose weight, there's really no pressure to get that done in January, February, March, right? Right. right. Like how much better off would we be if we just had the mindset that, you know what, this is going to take a while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to spend all of next year trying to lose X amount of weight, you know, and make mm -hmm. it realistic, not make it crazy where you have to starve yourself and you have to deprive yourself and you trigger all kinds of other things. Because what happens is when we have a hair mentality, we, we fall off the boat or there's a mm -hmm. zillion analogies I could use, but we end up taking a nap, right? Like we get yeah. off of yeah. the racetrack. Right. And we take a nap because it was like, oh man, that was really hard to not eat carbs and sugar and dairy and all yeah. the things. 
for six (laughs) weeks. I've had it really Uh hard and now there's chocolate everywhere. So I'm just going to take a little break. And then we end up feeling like, oh no, I failed. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it again. I'm such a loser because I can't stay on a diet. And do we jump right back on after our, our mess up? quote unquote mess up. I don't mm-hmm. think it's really a mess up, but we right. feel like it's a mess right. up, right? right? But but do we jump back on the road after that? No, we don't, right? right? We're like, well, I've already blown it. We might as well just blow mm-hmm. it for another week. And then, you know, week turns into two and then it just seems way too hard to get back on track because we were so strict and so limiting. So I think the tortoise and the hare can teach us something because if we would just take a tortoise mentality, I'm in this for the long haul. This is mm-hmm. about my health. This isn't about getting a certain look that's going to change my life. Right. And really, really, Erin, I think we have to separate body image from our body mm. because our body image doesn't have anything to do with our actual body. There yeah. are celebrities, like Carrie Underwood has spoken several times about how she has body image issues. Okay. I don't know about <laughs> you, but I look at her and I think, okay, there's one person that should never have body image. Right, right. right? Mm-hmm. But, but it doesn't have anything to do with the way we look. It yep. is a, a mental struggle, mm-hmm. right? So, so if we can recognize the truth that fixing our body isn't going to fix our body image, right? So we're not mm-hmm. going to be free there just because we get the thinner mm-hmm. body. Um, And then realize like if our goal really is to be healthier, if we want to look healthier, if we want to feel different in our bodies, then we have to take a long haul, healthier Mm -hmm. approach to that. And I think, I think that is the way to kind of overcome that tendency to, okay, I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to get it done this year. And then mm-hmm. repeat that for the next yeah. two, three decades of your life. <laughs> totally. However long. Even on a, on a physical level, right? Like what we know about diets is that they don't work, especially if you are losing in a quick amount of time, you're going to gain it back even, even faster. You know, like we have plenty of studies that say that. Um, and I think the information is out there, but we still have it in our mind that this is going to happen. I'm going to do this, you know, and it's even last year I tried doing, um, keto and I wasn't doing it for weight loss reasons. I was doing it for brain health reasons. I heard amazing things about, um, well, keto actually was originated for people who are epileptic. And so I thought, well, gosh, I was on for mood st- stabilization. I was t- on tons of drugs that were anti-epileptic drugs. So, huh, I wonder if doing keto would help me with mood stabilization. You know, like I'm trying to make these mm-hmm. connections and I tried it, but here's what's funny is I did it and I did mentally, I felt great, but you know what I, I ended up wanting? I wanted to lose weight. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so by the time I finished the month of January doing it, I was like, I didn't lose any weight. What? What is the mm-hmm. point of all this? Mm-hmm. But, and that's where it was like a heart check for me going, Aaron, you weren't doing it to lose weight. You were doing it because you wanted mental health. And now look, look, it worked. You feel really good mentally. So yeah. what's the deal? Anyway, I, no, to, a side note on keto, though, I will say it's not sustainable and there's no way I can do that long term, but I did feel good. <laughs> so yeah, so I think, so again, just making small steps towards health. And I think for a lot of people, maybe um, a, a healthy thing to do would be like taking 10 minutes a day to breathe you know, mm-hmm. and, and manage stress or take something off of our plate as opposed to adding something else onto it. Um, and not even restrict or maybe saying like, I'm going to eat one vegetable every day, you know, or if you already do that, I'm going to eat two or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, like, let's just be realistic and redefine health that health isn't in a way because we know like I've been all types of different health states in my life. I've all been all different types of weights. And a lot of times when I was a thinnest was when I was not the healthiest mentally mm-hmm. or even physically, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah I, I think that that's, I really like the, the tortoise and hair tortoise and hair mentality. I think that that's really good. And that's really helpful. Um, well, one, one thing that just, you just made me think of. Yeah. So we just moved and I'm a gym rat. Okay. I taught mm-hmm. spinning for yeah. a decade, taught kickboxing. Like I loved my gym. Right. And I loved cardio, mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. But the last few years I've started to realize that cardio does not love me. And yep. I actually quit my job at the gym um, because I was having some sort of adrenal fatigue. Mm. Not Ooh, full-blown I've got failure. on that. I love but, it. Yes, keep going, keep going. But keep I was going. having adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. And so we just moved. And so I don't have my gym anymore. I had to mm-hmm. quit my even like, you know, kind of once a month gym, gym habit. 
and my husband started walking and I'm like, walking on <laughs> seriously. And he was trying to get me to go walking with him. And I was like, Oh, that's so boring. Right. Like I don't sweat a lot when I walk. Get I mean, your heart rate up too much. Yeah, yeah. Like my heart rate. It's like, Oh, yawn. So I didn't do it. And mm -hmm. so for, for six or seven months, the first six or seven months we lived here, I refused to go walking with him and just <laughs> kept telling myself that one day I was going to pop in one of my workout DVDs and, you know, do my, uh, I don't know what was P90X or, right. <laughs> or something yeah. crazy yeah. like yeah. that, something right? Hardcore. You know, yeah. I, or I was going to get back. I had a spin bike in the garage. I'm like, I'm going to get back on my spin bike. I'm going to, I'm going to do my, um, Oh my goodness. I can't even think of what that's called right now. Uh, Peloton. I'm going to do my Peloton. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh -huh. and, and that didn't work. I didn't do it. And so finally it was probably mid spring of last year. I was like, Oh, it's a nice day. Okay. I'll go for a walk with you. And I've been walking with him ever since. Uh -huh. And I have realized what a difference that makes for my mental health and it mm. helps my body too. Yeah. But it's, it's finally, I've been able to settle into, okay, this is, this is tortoise. You know, yep. the hare is on the spin bike for an hour every day, but the tortoise, you know, you can go walking, right? Like it's not that big of yeah. a deal to go for a 25, 30 minute walk. That's so five true. Five times a week. Yep. I'm so glad you brought that up because another um, guest on the show actually, um, uh, the poop doctor, I call him, <laughs> we talked about <laughs> gut bacteria, gut health, all of that. Uh -huh. But he mentioned that too, that he recommends just for people just to start off with a walk and they find it really impacts the way they feel, especially for people with, um, you know, digestive issues, just mm -hmm. a little bit of movement like that every day makes a difference. But I am so glad you brought that up because I haven't really talked about this yet on my blog or on Facebook or on anything, but I recently realized I was doing some adrenal damage to myself uh, mm -hmm. with some hardcore exercises. So I took some time off and stopped, you know, cause I'm, I'm very self-competitive and I want to like up my miles and up my time and up my, you know, I, I do that to myself pretty regularly. And I guess a, a year, year and a half ago, I stopped and I was like, I'm just going to do the elliptical. If I want to do the elliptical, I'm going to run. If I want to run no pressure, whatever, and do yoga. Cause that's something that's been really soothing for me too. Um, all thoughts on that aside, <laughs> maybe for another episode, but, um, Lots of people have strong opinions on Christians doing yoga, but I won't go there. Um, anyway, so yeah, so that's been really good for my mental health. Well, I guess it was probably May, around May, I was like, well, gosh, I'm, I just turned 38. Um, I need to do strength training because my, my bones are going to die if I don't do strength training. You know, that's what they say, right? Like, am I, I'm going to lose muscle because like, this is the age I got to turn. I got to do strength training. Okay. I don't have a great lower back. I started doing some strength training. I did like, you know, body pump, which is a fun class. And I really liked it. And then I was like, well, probably should be doing some hit too. Cause hits really good mm -hmm, for mental health. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do some, hit. I'm going to do some boot camp. And I started doing all these things that I used to do in the past pre third baby. And it was fine. Uh -huh. But number one, I really injured my lower back. Number two, I started becoming seriously inflamed and I thought, Oh, well what I'm, maybe I'm just building muscle and it's, it's going to go down. Went, well, then my mental health started not doing so well. And it wasn't, um, it was taking the op, it was having the opposite effect of what I thought. I wasn't feeling better mentally. I was starting to feel worse. Mm -hmm. uh, my moods were not feeling good and my skin was really breaking out. Like there, my body was telling me, Hey, maybe this isn't what we're supposed to do. I wasn't having as much energy. It was very strange. And so I guess it's probably been a few months, I realized I'm doing too much to my body. And if you already have as moms and we all do have chronic stress stressors in our life, whether, I mean, we both homeschool, that's a stressor. Uh, we're both pastor's wives. That's a stressor. <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, like we all have these ongoing stressors in our lives. Sometimes you add on one more thing like that. Oh, and then the stressor of trying to eat perfect and, you know, all mm -hmm. these things that we do. One more thing could be the thing that just triggers um, kind of adrenal fatigue in your body or an adrenal relapse or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I have Epstein-Barr virus. I think maybe you do. I do too. too. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's a very sensitive that it's really easy to reactivate that as well. Mm -hmm. If our immune system is not anyway, all to say, I think we, as women, we push ourselves so hard because we think we need to be doing, like you said, be better. We've got to do more. We've got to have a stronger workout. When for me, the best thing I ever did 
was slow it down with yoga and just go to walking and running. And so right now, like the last three weeks, <laughs> it's only been three weeks now, by the time this podcast airs, it will be well over a month. <laughs> but um, and so I'll really be interested to see how I'm feeling. I went back to my first love, which is running, but I don't run very fast. I run slow and I walk. And I do yoga and guess what? My back has not had any problems. Um, I feel better mentally. I am sleeping, but I mean, there are all these things The inflammation is even going down because that's, and it's again, not weight. I'm talking about inflammation, although I I did gain weight as well, but that's, that's not a problem that we always, you know, women, we are always back and forth between, you know, what, like five pounds or something. That's just normal. So I hope everybody out there hears that it's normal and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway. All to say, I'm so glad you brought that up because sometimes we just need to put the weights down, you know, and we need to get off the treadmill and we need yeah. to step outside. And there's something healing about being in nature anyway. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that. Um, on the topic that gives me a brainstorm, putting the weights down, what are some weights in our lives that we, we carry that we need to put down um, in order to live a comparison free life hmm, and, and really be content and peaceful. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the first one, the obvious one for me is just the, the weight of the word better. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's, it's so intangible. It's so amorphous, right. That what, what is better, right? Yeah. Like your better is different than my mm-hmm. better. And you know, it's different than every one of your listeners better. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, we just carry this weight of, I should be better. And it's like, wait, why, (laughs) why should you be better? You Mm -hmm. know? And I I used to have this little postcard and I had this book of, I think it was like lessons you need for life or something silly like that. But it was this little book of postcards and I ripped one of them out and it's, I stuck it to my computer and it was with me for probably 10 years on my computer. And it said, commit yourself to constant improvement. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Aaron, I was committed to that. Yeah, I thought, you yeah. know, it is, it is wrong on some, some level I couldn't figure out how, but like morally wrong or you know, just <laughs> yeah. intellectually wrong to not want to constantly improve. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yeah, there is some truth to the fact that, you know, we shouldn't be complacent. We shouldn't be stale. Like we should always be growing and changing in healthy ways. Right. But, but improve again, like that's, that's one of those mm. amorphous intangible words. What does that mean? A, a improve according to whose standard. Right? right. Um, and so I do think like, like you mentioned earlier, we chase happiness and we miss contentment. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. My husband called me on this the other day because he, we were away from our anniversary and uh, this is, this is insider talk here. <laughs> our anniversary mm-hmm. trip. This is what my husband and I discussed, but <laughs> he was telling me that he's just really content with where we are, you know, with, mm-hmm. with marriage and family and, you know, all the things. Right. And I take that. I hear that as, oh, so you're just kind of settled in then, you know, <laughs> everything's okay. And yeah. he's like, no, you define contentment like completely different than contentment mm-hmm. is. And, you know, and it's not always that I say, you know what, you're right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in this case, after a little, after a pause, um, I was like, you know what, I think you're right. Like, that's true. I do. I can define contentment as like a settled resignation of, well, this is the way it's got to be. And I don't, I don't think that's, that's what contentment really is. I think contentment isn't a settled resignation. Contentment is an acknowledgement of, wow, like I'm pretty blessed already. Mm-hmm. Like, like God has blessed me in amazing, outrageous ways that I never thought he could. No, yeah. we're not rich. I have the ugliest countertops ever. <laughs> like, I wish you could come see my countertops because they are hideous. Um, and, you know, it's like I live in a, an older house that has cockroaches sometimes mm-hmm. and my kids aren't always obedient. They always they don't always want to do their school. Mm-hmm. I got a dog who doesn't know the difference between the outside and the inside for going oh, potty yeah. yet. <laughs> you know, like all the things, like my life is not perfect, but I get to choose whether or not to see the glass as half empty or to see it as half full. Mm-hmm. Like I get to choose to be grateful every day. And, and what a difference that makes to, I think, to our temptation to compare ourselves to other people, to our own mental health, right? Because mm-hmm. there's all kinds mm-hmm. of studies. I read an amazing book. I don't know if you've read it or not. Um, and I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's on <laughs> gratitude. Um, I, I'll, I'll get it to you. Oh, but, I want to know. Yeah. But the studies in it are just amazing. Like they found that 
accident victims who are permanently paralyzed can have a better attitude about life than mm. a population who hasn't gone through that just by huh. having a grateful heart. So it, it's just, it's amazing. The science shows that gratitude makes such a difference to our mental yeah. health, our physical well-being, And then think about the difference it makes to our family and our relationships. I mean, how much more fun is it to be around someone who's grateful? So I think if we can just put down that big weight, that big weight, that big burden of better and mm -hmm. be grateful for what we have. Mm -hmm. Now we just celebrated Thanksgiving, right? Mm -hmm. But hey, just because we're in Christmas shopping and New Year's is coming mode, doesn't mean we should stop being grateful. In fact, I think this is the perfect time of year to really embrace gratitude yeah. and recognize that we don't have to overspend. We don't have to overeat. <laughs> okay. But mm -hmm. if we do overindulge, it's okay. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah. you know, it, there's, there's grace and there's freedom there, totally. but we, mm -hmm. we don't have to overdo it right? We can, we can be grateful and we can just really savor the way that, um, that we already have been blessed and have what we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's so good. I'm so glad that you brought that up because gratitude, it really, uh, it doesn't matter whether you are, you know, a faith filled person or you're not, the studies are the same. Gratitude changes the brain, rewires the brain, it decreases, mm -hmm. you know, stress hormones, it can decrease inflammation in the body. Like it does so many things, but it's so hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, I was even thinking this morning, actually, I was doing a gratitude journal for a while and it was, mm -hmm. it was really good. I was like, okay, this is the thing I'm going to do and I'm going to stick with it. Well, discipline is not my gift. Um, <laughs> so sticking with anything is not, you know, great for me, but um, I've gotten off of that train and I really want to get back onto it because I think it's so easy to get into a negative mindset of what I don't have versus what I do have. And whether that's related to body or like you said, our house comparison. Um, I think about that all the time when I look at the holes in the walls that I haven't repaired because, well, we're just going to put more holes in the walls. I got two little boys that love to wrestle. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, things like that, or, um, you know, in this world of looking into other people, what other time period could we see how other people lived like we do now? Like, Oh yeah, my couldn't. gosh, I open up Facebook yeah. and Instagram and looking at stories. I'm like, Speaking of countertops, I would never know that my countertops were an issue if it wasn't for social media. Uh -huh. Like seriously, I'm not a design decorating person. I would have no idea. Like if you're into that kind of thing, that's awesome. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I'm not saying that, that that's wrong, but like for me, like I would never have known that my old eighties countertops are not the thing right now. Um, mm -hmm. I would just be like, Hey, we have a really big kitchen that we can move around in while we cook, mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, which yeah. we didn't have when we lived in an apartment. Um, it would be a lot easier for me to come. And, and even in that sense, comparing my current with my former would have maybe worked out for me, but all to say, um, gratitude. I think that that if there is one new year's resolution that I think we could all benefit from, it would be make gratitude part of your life somehow in some Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Um, and it's, and it is a muscle you need to flex. It doesn't come naturally. No, it doesn't. That's not our instinct. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, well, we are coming close to the end of the time. We, we still have a little bit left. Um, one thing I, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned it before, and I think we've talked about it in person before, and I think a lot of people would relate to this on the subject of body image. Um, those of us who are in the middle, the average people of the world, the average women, um, I, I've always wondered if I struggle, there's, there, there are a lot of struggles for me mentally when I think through this whole being average. Well, I, I can still shop at, at normal, you know, like the regular stores or whatever. I don't have to go to other stores. I, so I should be happy about that. But then I look at, I, I'm also, I'm seeing all this like should be, I have my, I have air quotes open. <laughs> I'm not trying to cast judgment or anything on anybody. I want to be careful how I say things. I am in no way saying that I realize that I, there's a whole um, culture of thin privilege that I've opened my eyes to that I live with that I didn't know about. Um, but that's still not good enough for me because there's still a smaller size, like just being in between, in between like the plus plus sizes and less than the average, like there's just this in between gap. And I just don't know why it's so hard to get 
out of that in-between place where I feel like, is that just the weight of the burden of better? Like you're saying, is that what it is? Like, why can't I get out of that mindset of average is not okay? Mm-hmm. I do. I do feel like that's part of what it is. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I actually wrote about it or just thought about writing about it, but calling it like the size medium problem, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Because it's like, you should be content with a size medium, right? right? And anyone who wears something larger than a medium is probably going to say, duh, like, why aren't you happy with a medium? That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Because I've been large and extra large before. And I'm exactly, yeah, me too. It was my goal. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think, and, and I want to be careful to, to just quantify the truth that like, we don't know how much anyone's struggling at any size, right? Like you exactly. never know what's going on in someone's head. So yeah. it's really hard for me to say that I struggle more than someone that's right. a different size or less than someone that's a different size, of course. But I do sometimes wonder when I meet women who are a little bit larger than me, who don't seem to struggle as much as I do, I do sometimes wonder, it's like, okay. Is it because she doesn't feel this pressure to be a small, you know, because maybe like she knows like that would never be healthy for her. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But yet I feel this like the burden of better. Like I feel like, oh, well, you know, I could, I could get there. I think I could get to small. Like I think, I think if I worked hard enough and did all the Mm -hmm. things, then small is attainable for me. And I feel this pressure to be there. And I think it's ridiculous, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, But then, and honestly, you know, it's that kind of thinking, right? That is, in my opinion, and I'm not a doctor um, or a psychologist, but in Mm -hmm. my opinion, it's that kind of thinking that really is the precursor to a lot of eating disorders, right? Uh Because it's a small, it's that, that mindset that smaller would always be better, Mm -hmm. you know, that I would be better if I took up less space that Mm. my life would be better if I was just smaller. And I'm afraid what happens for so many is that that train starts to run, that gets smaller train, and then it turns into something like anorexia or bulimia Mm. or or any orthorexia, which is a growing issue of being fearful of unhealthy foods and just having these strict requirements, um, which I think I probably bounce. I'm not, I would never say I am, but I've definitely probably been in that category before being obsessed yeah. with food ingredients, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, all of those, you know, all of those things start, I think with simple thoughts in our head, like if I could just be a little smaller, if mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's again about believing that lie, right. Believing that smaller would deliver something that I don't already have. Mm-hmm. I'm not content now, but if I were a little smaller, then yeah. all of my dreams and wishes and hopes for my life would come true. Or like you said, if I were a little smaller, then I'd have friends and then I have boys that like mm-hmm. me, but, but we don't have the data to back that up. Right. 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 And we, in fact, we have the data to back up the exact opposite mm-hmm. of that. Right. Cause what, like I shared before, we have the data that celebrities get cheated on mm-hmm. and they're pretty thin. Right. Yeah. And they're as hot as the cover of the magazine because they are the cover of the magazine. Right. So, yeah. but yeah, in our Head, we're like, if I could just be as hot as that magazine cover, my husband would never look at another woman, <laughs> right? And it's yeah. so it's it's not the truth, right? Yeah. We're all so much more complex than that, but um, but we fool ourselves into thinking it's the truth. And I think I went way far off of your original question. No, I, no, it's good. <laughs> I, it's just something I, I often wonder because um, even my daughter and I, we joke, we go to stores, and it's like I'll, I'll be looking for my size. My size is always taken up first. Because I am really the average size. And so we, she jokes, she, I'm like, what, what do we do if I can't find, you know, my, my size, like in any store, because I just look like everybody else. And I I don't want to look like everybody else. I want to look better than everybody else. Like, what is that? But I will say, you know, for people who there's such a, um, like I said, I'm growing an awareness for what healthy truly means in relation to sizes and, and things like that. And there is a book called Health at Every Size. I think I told you mm-hmm. about it before mm-hmm. that it was really helpful, but helpful for me to realize that we all have a set point weight. Um, and for some people that's bigger, for some people that's smaller. And it's, it doesn't even have to do with how much food you eat. It can, like, like for me, I, what, like what I said, I got mad. I went on keto and I didn't because I'm at the size that I'm supposed to be, whether I like it or not, you know? Um, and I think that when we go on extreme diets and we 
are led into disordered eating behaviors because there's eating disorders and there's disordered eating, um, we can actually drive that set, set point weight up even more mm -hmm. by putting our bodies in starvation mode. And so just to add that you can be a size large and an extra large or extra, extra, you know, whatever. And you can probably still be a lot healthier than somebody who's an extra, extra small. Um, you don't know what people are going through internally um, just by looking at their outsides. And I guess really to come full circle, like that's the point, right? Of this whole compared to who is we don't know what's going on with other we, people's lives. Absolutely. We don't know what's going on. And you just said it, Erin, and I thought it was, I don't know. You said something about, we look for a way to be unique, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't want to be average. You don't want to be like everyone else because you want to be unique. You want to stand out. And I think the truth is that we try to do that with the way we look, because we believe that our bodies are what give us value, right? And our culture reinforces that message. How you mm -hmm. look is what gives you value. But I think you can find satisfaction for that feeling, that desire to be unique when you find a purpose that is uh -huh. unique. And I don't, a purpose can be such a lofty, you know, right. million dollar word, like, oh, I've got to go do something really amazing. <laughs> but I don't really think that's it. I just think that when you start to realize that you're more than a body, mm -hmm. right? And that your value really comes from more than just the way you look. And I mean, really, if we stop and think about it, like when you look at your friends, you don't just see them as bodies, no, right? No, like we don't, I don't look at all at my friends' bodies no, the way I look at my own. No, I mean, <laughs> but we objectify each other. It's really objectification is yeah, what it is. Yeah. We see people as just bodies. Mm, we do. Right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like, you know, the, the woman on the billboard, she's just a body. She's not a human, right? right? right. And then we treat ourselves that way too because we, we, what mm -hmm. we think about other people is often what we think about ourselves, mm -hmm. right? And so we look at ourselves and we're like, well, what my value is the way I look. And then we miss out on that opportunity to satisfy that desire for uniqueness because we're so focused on changing the way we look that we miss out on cultivating things that we're good at, like skills and, and yep. having fun and hobbies and yes. enjoyable Gosh, because there's, so true. there's so many more enjoyable things to do than go on a diet. Oh, there's more for enjoyable sure. things to do than go to the gym. Okay. I love yeah. me some exercise, uh -huh. but there's other fun things you can do. Yeah. Right? And if your whole like purpose in life is to be thinner, to be prettier, to be hotter, you're going to miss out on cultivating thickness that is inside of you mm -hmm. that when you can do something really important and really fun mm -hmm. and, and really life-giving um, for, for not just you, but for the world, right? Yeah. So, so we miss out on that when we chase this body image ideal. And I think yep. that's, that's where we find um, even greater contentment, really. And that's where you can kind of stop looking at your body and thinking, ugh, and start to think, you know what? Hey, my body's serving me well. I don't do too bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? totally. It's like I, I am, and even a thing that I like to tell myself that um, is a verse from the Bible too, but it's like, I have everything I need. I am mm -hmm. equipped, you know, like I have what I need. And it's like, I kind of have to keep running that through my head. Um, like you said, what? what I'm, what have I missed out on? I, I've never written it all down, but it'd be interesting to go and like journal. What things have I missed out on? Because I was so paranoid about what my body looked like at the time. Um, whether that's a relationship with my husband <laughs> during intimacy yeah. or bathing suit time, playing with my kids, or yeah. even, you know, what if it's just certain classes at the gym. I know there are a lot of people that are paranoid about going to group classes at the gym because of how they look around other people. I know people that won't go to yoga because they're afraid of how they're going to, you know, or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like what things am I missing out on or what kind of awesome food experiences am I missing out on because I'm paranoid about, you know, breaking this diet that I'm on. Mm -hmm. I think about the people in the blue zones who are the ones that live the longest, that are supposedly the happiest people in the world or whatever. Mm -hmm. They don't have diets. They don't have yeah. exercise plans. They enjoy their lives. And a big part of that is relationships and being in a community where they are loving well and um, just living out of abundance and gratitude and all of these things that we've been talking about. So, yeah. or even um, financially. Like, oh my I gosh, mean, I'm, yes. So I was single all through my 20s yeah. and I am embarrassed. Like we're doing Financial Peace University right now oh. at my church. And, you know, all these people that started investing early and I'm like, I didn't have money to invest in my 20s. And it's like, oh, because I was spending money on exercise equipment, yeah. you know, workout DVDs, 
always buying diet things and or different paying size the diet clothes. fees. Oh my gosh. Different like, size clothes because clothes. Up. Well, yeah. And then you always needed different clothes too, because mm, clothes were well, kind of part too, of the body yeah. image equation, right? So uh -huh. if, if that outfit you bought last week didn't make you feel quite like you wanted to feel, then you've got to go buy another outfit that will yeah. hopefully make you feel better. Yeah, right. And I mean, all that money I just poured, well, not poured, I wasted, I dwindled mm -hmm. away, mm -hmm. um, chasing, feeling better about my body. I mean, boy, if I hadn't invested that, geez, who knows? <laughs> I could be living by the beach right now. <laughs> Seriously. Gosh, that's so true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, really makes me think about going back and, and writing that down and be a good reminder for me now. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, well, thank you so much for just having this conversation. Um, we didn't have an agenda going into this. It was kind of like, eh, let's just see where this leads <laughs> us. And I think it was really fun. Um, but yeah, tell people, where can people find out more about you, get your book, all those things. Give us a little rundown okay. on that. Yeah. You can find me at my blog, which is compared to who.me. And I am at compared to who, um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, you name it. Uh, and yeah, my books are on Amazon. See the book on Amazon. And I would love to connect with you. I love connecting with people, hearing people's stories. I do write back. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. I, I love interacting with people. So I'd, I'd love to connect with anyone that's yeah. interested. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for being on. Sure. This so my much pleasure. Fun. So I know your book comes out um, sometime this next year. So we'll just have to do another one when, when the book good. is out. So Sounds good. Well, thanks, Erin. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.